Good morning. My name is Kitty Hudson Cauley. I'm a regular at the first service, but it is a blessing, a blessing to be here with you today. A few weeks ago, I asked Pastor Kelly if I could speak with you about a spirit of renewal that I have become increasingly aware of in our local school system. Where I am employed and where my work is my vocation. Please pray with me. Holy One, help us trust in you to do good. Help us take delight in you. Help us commit our way to you. Help us be still before you and wait patiently for you. Help us know when we are seeing you. Please speak clearly to each of us this morning. You know what we need to hear. Amen. Last week, Pastor Kelly spoke about our Methodist heritage. She reminded us that the Methodist Church was birthed in the 18th century when the spirit of renewal swept across Britain. It was the Wesley brothers who felt called by the Spirit to establish a church based on practices and tenets of faith that still guide the Methodist Church. We look back with gratitude for the listening hearts of those 18th century men and women who responded to God's nudging to create something new in the world. We are among the beneficiaries of their boldness. Recently, we have been encouraged by our pastor to be bold and enter a discernment process in this 21st century. We have each been asked to consider if we feel the Spirit of God nudging our church to respond in a new way to the needs around us. How we will respond is still on the other side of the hill. But this morning, I would like to support the group that is feeling a call, an exploratory group, this call to care for low-income children in our community. As I said earlier, I want to speak to you about a spirit of renewal that I have become increasingly aware of in our local school system. I realize this is an odd thing to say, given the separation of church and state, but I'm going to move in that direction anyway. My job in the school district is to write plans. Federal plans, state plans, local plans. Over the years, I've gathered many groups of people together for guided conversations. Good people who represent many groups, many interest groups in our district. And although I can write a terrific plan, I can honestly tell you, none of my plans have made any difference in helping students learn better. No gaps in achievement have been closed since I began writing plans. In 
In the last few years, there have been two huge changes that have happened in education and impacted our local school system in what I think is for good. First was the rollout of the Common Core Standards, the Next Generation Science Standards, new and excellent curriculum frameworks, and a new assessment system. That's all education lingo, but it's new instructional uh, content coming forward and how, how to, what we want our students to learn. All of these things had the potential to positively impact instruction in our schools. And when I see and hear about what teachers are doing with these new tools, my heart takes hope. In the depth of education, our children, your children, will be receiving. And while some have seen the spirit of renewal through the Common Core, I have seen the spirit of renewal more clearly in a second huge change that impacted our local system. My antenna have been sensing a rise in hope through Governor Jerry Brown's local control funding formula and the related local control accountability plan. I got to write the local control plan for Davis. And the LCAP, is, as it's called, is about transparency and goals, transparency toward the goals and progress toward the goals. It's about transparency in actions to accomplish each goal and transparency in the money that will be spent for each goal. Transparency is key. The LCAP is about seeing what is going to happen and people being seen who are contributing to the effort. I have deep hope in this process that, will, that it will make people visible. Actually, I have such deep hope that if I did nothing but write and implement district local control plans for the rest of my career, I would be living my dream. And that's crazy, right? You understand, that's a crazy thing. But it is absolutely true. By the way, I'm using this picture of the converging old and new Bay Bridge because inside education, this is how it feels like for both the implementation of the Common Core and the local control accountability plan. I know what that some of you are thinking. I know what some of you are thinking. And it has to do with rust. It has to do with shoddy workmanship. And it has to do with fraud. Yesterday, a friend laughed when he saw this picture and said, in 10 years, we know which of one of those bridges is going to still be standing. The one with the cormorant nests. The old one. So why would I use such a tainted image to evoke systems that I really believe in? I use it because both the Common Core and the LCAP processes are vulnerable to corrosion, even as the new bridge is. The power of the Common Core is vulnerable if people, teachers in particular, do not believe it is safe in our district to admit 
that they are having any difficulty with the Common Core. Likewise, the good of the LCAP is vulnerable if the importance of transparency is forgotten. Closed-door spending decisions will erode trust in district administration. These systems are vulnerable in other ways, but I think these two examples of vulnerability are enough to help us remember that we have to, we as a district, have to behave in a trustworthy manner as we roll out these new systems. And for that, we will need your prayers. That is a change in culture. Let me give you a fairly developed picture of what I mean about the importance of education making people visible. This summer, my husband and I went to the Bodega Headlands, looking out toward Point Reyes. That's what this show is. I was recovering from five months of putting together uh, the Davis local control plan, and I really was recovering. Although I have lots of experience putting plans together, this plan was grueling. Even as I submitted the final version of the plan, I found myself asking, will all this work make a difference for kids in our community? Will this be the plan that finally moves us to close the achievement gap? I hope so, but I didn't know how it would get traction. Walking along the headlands, I gave myself some self-talk to shake off the doldrums and get back into the present. I was at the headlands, for goodness sakes. It was time to take in the world around me. It was a strategy that had worked beautifully for me before when I needed the wetlands. The flora, the little fella fauna, and a bigger fella fauna. (laughs) This was my husband, Mike. Things I was grateful for right then, right there. I had just snapped that picture of Mike when Mike asked me, Kitty, is that Jolanda? Well, it was our friend Jolanda. She was hiking across the headlands too. She came to teaching as her second career and taking, and she took quite a pay cut uh, because she'd been in private industry. But she brought with her a passion to make a difference in the lives of junior high kids. She found her niche in a program called AVID, teaching students who typically will be in the, the first in their family to go to college. AVID has an amazing success rate for preparing low-income and Latino students for college. If Jesus were speaking today, Jesus would say, as he did in the Gospel of Matthew, Um, I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was adrift in junior high school, and you taught me how to get organized and go for my dreams. If you do it for the least of these, you do it for me. 
That's what Jolanda does. But in Davis, Avid is not, uh, it doesn't get a lot of support. This lack of support is seen in the way that it has historically been underfunded. Jolanda was delighted to see us out there on the wetlands. She didn't miss a beat in asking me, Kitty, did you write the LCAP? AVID is in the LCAP. There's real funding for AVID this year. And can you even imagine a more random thing happening in my life that she would say this to me that day out in the headlands? So there are a couple things from this experience I would like to highlight. First, in doing my scan of what needed to be called out in the LCAP, and I was not alone in scanning, but in doing my scan around what was going on in the district, I realized that I saw AVID and it needed to be called out in the LCAP. No names were mentioned in the plan about who would be implementing, but when the district AVID coordinator had the group of AVID teachers find the AVID action in the LCAP, they experienced this energy of being seen. Inclusion in the local control accountability plan honored their work, which fueled their energy and their resolve to serve their students. A second thing happened in that experience on the headlands, and that's that I felt the rush of being seen and appreciated for my work. And in that interaction with her, I began to get an inkling that the LCAP just might, just might make a difference in Davis. That aha moment was like going from gray, overcast, to full color. It was one of those moments. I began to consider the possibility, just the possibility that maybe God had honed my skills over the years and given me an opportunity to do something that would make a difference. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I needed a plan written and you wrote it. Just as you do it for the least of these, you did it for me. I'd like to go into information mode for just a second and share a few data points with you about um, what I see as I look around the schools and who we really need to be serving well. All students, yes, some students more. This is data. It'll be short, much shorter than first service. And this is from last year, 1314. Every year, about 8,500 students attend Davis schools. Davis District serves low-income preschool students. It serves some four-year-olds in transitional kindergarten, giving them an extra boost before they hit the kindergarten year. And approximately 600 students per grade level from kindergarten through 12th grade. 21% of our K-12 population is low income. That's about 1,700 students. 10% of our students have English as their second language. They are called English learners who speak a home language other than English. 
About half of our English learners speak Spanish. Our largest ethnic group is white at, um, gosh, what percentage is it? 56%. One in five of our students is Latino. 17% are Asian. And 3% of our students are black or African American. Academically, the main, um, just a second, what I, I want to mention, I will back up, and what I want to mention is, actually, I actually will back up, low-income kids, that's, if a low-income child comes into your classroom or walks across your school, that is a demographic that is invisible. And what I mean by that is there may not be enough money at home to have bought breakfast food and they have come to school hungry. Their stomachs are empty and hopefully they were lucky enough to have a good dinner the night before. But for, for some of our students, that's not even the chance. No one knows that they sleep in a single room with their whole family. Very few people know what their lives are like, but they come to school and they, if their stomach is hungry, it is very hard, very hard for them to focus on what they're being taught. they've got a couple strikes against them already before they even walk in the door. So I, I want you to be really, really hold on to that one. And here's the other, what I was going on to for the next one. Because it's hard to focus on learning when you're hungry, when it comes to learning how to read and developing vocabulary, that's one of the skills that's hard to get. It, when you are low income, that is a hard skill to conquer. If you, but if you cannot read, what are your chances of success in the educational system? And, and I chose this picture because I needed for myself, that's something I know in my mind, but I know for myself, when I look at this and it's all blurred, I took that picture. I remember what was on the other side of that glass. And it was a beautiful tree. But, but when you see it, it's all blurry. And that's what not knowing how to read is like when you are that person in the classroom. And are you going to tell your teacher, uh, can you help me please? I really can't, I can't read. I don't understand what everybody's talking about. Please pass me when you want us to read out loud. Nah, -uh. it's a very, very difficult thing. And so that's where we count on the compassion of our teachers to know, and their integrity, to know who can and who can't and who needs extra help. Okay, just, just to try to paint the picture. And then when extra help is given and learning begins to happen, things start to clear. It's a gradual process, but the blurriness starts to clear. And here's what we're going for. This is nuance. This is detail. This is 
understanding and putting it together for yourself. That's where we're headed with teaching children to read. So, so when you see or when we think or when we even hear someone say low income, it's so deep and it is, it is, it is our group at this church who has been moved and nudged in the direction of saying, how can we help local low-income children? I'm speaking students because I'm with the school system, but children. So I just want to bring that, that to you. There is true compassion in that nudging toward helping those kids. And I am incredibly grateful for that group. Again, let me remind you that the district's main goal this year is strengthening everyone's understanding of the Common Core. Right behind it is improving school climate and uh, student engagement, getting people feeling welcome in the schools. Similar to the way Jolanda teaches the AVID program out of her own passion, to help this targeted group of junior high kids. Other projects are also driven by people passionate for their own areas. Here are some examples. This is Math Night, and it happens at Montgomery, it happens at Patwin, it happens at Birch Lane, and it's about to happen at Corwin, and if you're a parent at any other schools that I didn't mention, you are welcome to come and visit this year. This is a pilot program. Math nights are deceptively simple in that it helps parents and elementary students learn about what the new math thinking is that people need in the Common Core to be college and career ready. Um, The way they learn it, you don't sit and listen. You play games with each other that people can take home and play the games, and it just keeps developing the math thinking in their heads. Diana Zaragoza is the brains behind this particular project. This is another project it's the dialogic reading program that's the creation of a woman named Martha and another woman named Tara. And they have this program. This one right here is at the Valley Oak Preschool for low-income kids. Uh, Martha talked about the program at Adult Forum, and I know uh, Luann and Margot are here. If you have questions about that, feel free afterwards to talk with them. This picture shows a Da Vinci High School student and a preschool student who are dialogic reading partners, buddies. Okay, dialogic reading. Would you think you'd use that for a preschool program? Yeah, right, no. Notice the interaction, though, between the preschool, between the two as they read the book. Through dialoguing about the text in the book, the preschool buddy learns vocabulary words and practices verbal language. Martha has extended the program to kindergartners, because these are preschoolers, 
she, and these are low-income preschoolers, she has extended it to kindergartners at Montgomery, and this year, with the help of our church volunteers who, who are in that group for caring for low-income uh, children, she's extended it to Korematsu. She has a wonderful network of volunteers, and the volunteers she has had so far have been retired reading teachers or other adults that are interested in serving in the schools. The wonder of both Math Nights and Dialogic Reading is in the way that the programs bring people together and relationships develop over... Look, watch. Right here. Do you see relationships starting to happen? I sure do. And they know each other when they pass each other on campus because Da Vinci is at Valley Oak and the preschool program is at Valley Oak. Can you even imagine having a big buddy like that at your school? So it's about relationships that develop at math night, all over wherever a project is happening. That's where the magic happens. People who might not have connected otherwise with each other begin to talk outside the program. And as people walk across the school campuses, they begin to see these new acquaintances where they'd never seen them before. And they also experience a sense of being seen. People learn what it means not only to be engaged in learning, but engaged in community. School climate begins to change. And on the topic of climate change, or school climate change, I can tell you with absolute certainty that it was our own Julia Newcomb who served as a trigger for the conversation that got restorative practices written into the LCAP. And Julia told me that her interest in restorative justice came from an adult forum that Chris Fry led here about forgiveness. So boldness, taking things forward. Julia did not make the restorative justice um, practices happen in the Davis School District, but she raised the topic. And others in the district who are passionately committed to that particular way of being, they picked it up. It started resonating. There have been over 80 people as of early this month who have newly been trained about what restorative practices are, and they work at all sorts of different schools. They're teachers. They are office staff. They are playground supervisors. They're principals. It's a huge amplification of Julia's desire to change the world. And she started locally. There are many other stories to tell, but now what I'm going to do is pivot toward the um, prophet Micah. He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love kindness, and walk humbly with God? I want to ask for your prayers for our school system. We need you 
to cover us with prayer as often as you think of us. When you pass by a school, when you see kids on their way to school, we are at a critical time in our history. To do justice, please pray for our school leaders that they will lead with justice, kindness, humility, and transparency. Love kindness. Please pray for those who are willing to get in the water and participate. You get knocked around when you get in the river, but it is and it can be the experience of your life. Pray that God will please lead people into new relationships because it's in relationship again that we are seen and that we see others outside of our own world. And then, please, this is walking humbly with God. This is pray that God will help more and more people see themselves in the LCAP process so that their engagement and their dreams can also be realized as the district moves forward. And now I turn it back to us, focus on us in the world here. I'd also ask you to pray that every person in this room will find a place of service that makes us feel absolutely alive. As for the explorations that we're doing, church, here's what I think. I am sure there was a time in the lives of John and Charles Wesley when they didn't know which direction their work was going to take them. And at that point in time, nope, at this point in time, we don't know which direction our explorations as a church are going to take us. But I imagine it's going to become increasingly clear as we meet those that we long to serve. As we meet the people we long to serve, we will look in their eyes and we will know whether we can walk away or if we have to engage. And once we engage... That's where the Spirit of God does the work. The force is strong in this congregation. Luke. The force is powerful here. I have been sustained for those many years of failure to not close the gap by what I was able to experience in this very place. So I am so grateful that you kept me afloat through all those years of discouragement. But there is much work to be done. Never forget that as you do it for the least of these, you do it for me. That's with a Jesus reference.
Okay, not a me. Okay, but thank you so much for being here and for listening. I, I appreciate you beyond what you could ever know. <laughs>